Veterans Radio Hour. Brought to you by Dallas Corporation for all your corporate printing needs. And by GIM Productions, creating internet solutions. Websites can do that. Now, stay tuned. The Veterans Radio Hour is next on the Veterans Radio Network. Tango Charlie Bravo, you're a go for the Veterans Hour. So your company has a website. We are all familiar with how the web can be used to showcase information. But did you know the web can also be used as a medium to actually do something to help your business? GIM Productions delivers custom web-based technology and applications to meet the needs of your company. We have the experience and the expertise to deliver web applications, e-commerce solutions, and interactive multimedia. GIM Productions can help you in making difficult technology decisions. We work to make web technology work for your company and we will be there along the way to support you as you grow. Our comprehensive team includes talented programmers, software developers, graphic designers, and network specialists that strive to bring you the best. Contact us at our toll-free number 1-887-256-6914 or email us at info at GIMproductions.com. Websites can do that. Welcome, one and all, to the Veterans Radio Hour. It's our tribute to all of those who served our great nation's armed forces, past and present, and their tremendous accounts of heroic duty and bravery. With your host, Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, coming to you live from our Veterans Center studio, here is General Dave. Good evening, everyone. Dave Grange is on TDY tonight on a special assignment, and he should be returning shortly, we hope, after our little hiatus. We uh, also would like to, at this time, just take a moment of silence if everyone in their own right way would consider uh, remembering uh, the seven military veteran astronauts who uh, gave their life. Tonight's show is going to be uh, kind of unique. It's um, an emotional show, I believe. It's on homeless veterans. It's from an article I read recently in the American Legion magazine called The Cycle of Despair, and all about homeless veterans. So we brought in a few uh, talented people, very knowledgeable, who are going to be able to help us to understand just what is happening today in the world of homeless veterans. With us uh, is going to be Commander Ronald Conley, the National Commander of the American Legion, elected in August 2002, who represents the 2.8 million members of American Legion. He is a United States Air Force uh, serviceman. Uh, he was an air policeman, I found out. He also, and why I'd like to be talking with him a little bit later today, is the founder and president of the American Legion for Homeless Veterans Corporation of Pennsylvania, which he himself founded in 1988 and which now operates eight homes just for veterans. Also joining us will be James V. Carroll. Uh, James is a, a Vietnam veteran himself uh, and the author 
of the Cycle of Despair Homeless Veterans article I recently read in the American Legion magazine where he acts as assistant editor. Then joining us will be our good friend Rochelle Crump. She is a, a former member of the U.S. Army Women's uh, Corps. And in 1998, Ms. Crump was appointed by Mayor Richard Daly, our good friend, as director and community liaison for the Advisory Council on Veterans Affairs under the Commission of Human Rights for the city of Chicago. And joining me directly here is a man I just met and admire a lot, Samuel Miller. He's a Vietnam veteran, two tours, United States Air Force, and now works as a case manager for a social service agency known as Feather Fist. And he works for the homeless. He, uh, he prides himself in the work that he does, especially with the uh, veteran homeless that we have. And he's also, I found out, the state commander of the Catholic War Veterans and quite active in uh, many other levels of the veteran world. Before we get started, I'd like to make a dedication today. This dedication goes out to all the people who are working out in the field for those who aid and assist the homeless veterans, which I've learned are more than 500,000. Here is today's military quote of the day, brought to you by support from retired Lieutenant Commander Adrian Rubinkowski. Our military quote of the day is being taken from very, very far back. It was a, a warrior who became known as Rome's greatest politician. Back in the Roman Empire days, his name was Cicero. And he said something that I think is very important for all of us today to remember in this time of need. And the quote goes as this, the safety of the people shall be the highest law. That's exactly what it should be, the highest law, the safety for all. And with over a half a million homeless, it's kind of hard for me to understand uh, where our country is in dealing and relating towards our veterans. And especially when we're on the brink of uh, another conflict, some of which is going to uh, take lives of our soldiers as well as make them uh, disabled veterans. Uh, we are still going, getting over some of our veteran problems we had from the first Gulf War. And uh, today driving here, um, I stopped at a, a red light to get on the ramp to the expressway out of Chicago. And there was a, a man with a cane and a can. I put him probably in his mid to late 50s, disheveled clothes, uh, looking rather tired and cold. And um, so I put my window down and looked him in the eye. And, he looked me back and uh, I saw clarity and I asked him, I said, uh, how's things going today? And he went, oh, not so bad. And that was kind of interesting for a man in this predicament of uh, begging to tell me it's not so bad. And then I said, are you a veteran? And he said, yes, the Korean War. I shuffled around, grabbed a handful of change out of uh, my little pocket there and threw it in his can. And, wished him the best and asked him if he knew of any place that he can get some help and if he wanted any. He said he wasn't aware of any right now and wasn't looking for any. And I rolled up my window and drove away. So it's kind of hard for me to understand uh, how a person, a unique man like this, a Korean veteran, 
out on the streets with a can and a cane, trying to figure out what's his next step. Which is what brings me to uh, my now understanding of uh, homeless veterans as we bring on uh, James Carroll. He's going to be the first one I talk to. Um, uh, Jim, are you still with us there? Yes, sir, I am. Thank you. Uh, Jim wrote an article uh, called The Cycle of Despair. It's in uh, the magazine. How many magazines are actually uh, sent out? Uh, uh, each Legionnaire gets a magazine, so our circulation is 2.8 million. So literally everybody gets one. 2.8 million get mailed out monthly. That's correct. And what uh, gave you the idea, or did someone force you <laughs> to uh, do this kind of a sad story? Well, I think uh, the American Legion, um, one of its main causes and purposes is to find out the different plights of veterans around the country, and certainly I don't think there's many plights uh, that are, are more heart-rendering than, than seeing uh, uh, those who fought on, uh, for our country and our freedoms to uh, be sleeping on grates in Washington, D.C., or sleeping under bridges in, uh, uh, in, in uh, San Diego, California. So uh, it was just an issue that, that, that comes naturally to our organization. And I noticed in the article you, you covered a, both coasts and a little bit in the Midwest and different people that are attempting to, to do services for uh, the homeless vets. That's correct. I mean, it's not, um, it, it, it's a nationwide problem. Many people have a a mistaken belief that it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's an urban problem, uh, and that's probably only because it's reported more. There, there's more services and abilities to report that problem, but there are just as many homeless veterans, the homeless people in general, uh, in our rural countries that aren't reported, that are, that are sleeping in the woods somewhere or, or, or in rural areas that they're, they're just not reported. And it, it is true, there are 500,000 or more just veterans that are out there? Yes, uh, veterans make up about, I think, one-third of, 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 the, of the estimated uh, homeless population. Uh, uh, statistics are, are, are strange numbers to play with, but uh, mm -hmm. over the course of a year, there would be about 500,000 that would be on the streets. Any given time during the year, it's estimated that there's 250,000 veterans on the streets. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, an amazing number. Uh, even if it was just 100,000, it still is amazing to me. Uh, being a, an Army guy uh, in the medical world, uh, I was truly involved with the buddy system, just as I believe a lot of the infantry, the grunts that were out there, had to rely on that guy next to them. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard for me to believe that there's just so many out there today that you, you would think that the, the government would have some kind of a buddy uh, relationship with these people that gave uh, their time. And, and how many of them are, are in a disabled world? Would you have any idea? Well, um, probably uh, from 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 my research and in, in, in the story, it, it appeared that that uh, anywhere between 60 and 70 percent of of those veterans that are homeless are are suffering from from certain things, from alcohol abuse, uh, drug abuse, or mental disability. So you're dealing with you're dealing with about two thirds of of the homeless veterans that 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 have problems beyond just being poor and being on the streets. Mm -hmm. I want to bring in for a moment now uh, Rochelle Crump. Rochelle, you with us? Yes, I am. And uh, Rochelle, here in the city of Chicago, uh, I'm sure you're facing some of the dilemma that we've just talked about. Can can you pinpoint it a little bit stronger for us? Yes. Um, thank you, uh, Kenny. And what Ms. Carroll said is absolutely correct about the one-third uh, population being homeless. And here in Chicago, we face those very same numbers. Uh, with 60, 70, a little over 70 percent being disabled when we look at the uh, term of being mentally 
incapable of dealing with, you know, day-to-day -day things. So here in Chicago, we are faced with high numbers. Um, there's a good effort going on now to oversee, and I won't just say now, good effort and good faith has been made all along to do something about it. It's just that there was no sound plan to deal with it. But mm -hmm. that's changing now. Mm -hmm. And then I'll bring in Samuel Miller, because Samuel, um, I believe you're a case manager who works directly with these veterans. And, and tell us what a case manager can do for a homeless vet. Good evening. And I'd like to say good evening to my colleague, Rochelle. Uh, a case manager's job primarily is to take a veteran and give him the opportunity to open doors that he hasn't been able to open himself. Uh, for instance, if I start working with a particular veteran who needs services, then it's my uh, it's my charge to make a roadmap, so to speak, for him mm -hmm. of goals to be completed. And initially, we want to get him into a system if the system, if he has not been in the VA system, we want to get him enrolled in the VA system and start addressing his issues. And as we go along this roadmap, the first thing we do is medical and uh, mental assessment to find out what we have. From there, we set short-term goals, and we work together to move this individual up this or along this roadmap mm -hmm. to complete these short-term goals. Yeah, because in reading uh, uh, Jim Carroll's article, The Cycle of Despair, um, he relates to uh, these unfortunate uh, situations that veterans find themselves in. And I guess the biggest underlying one is poverty. And then there's the lack of affordable housing, the lack of affordable health care, domestic violence, mental illness, addiction disorder, all of which are fueling this homelessness. Uh, Jim, can you, can you expand upon that a little bit? Well, it, 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 people find themselves homeless uh, for all of those reasons, um, and, and, uh, but most generally uh, the underlying factor for those people who are not disabled uh, by, by the conditions that you've already talked about are, is poverty. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, most people uh, that find themselves homeless were a paycheck away from, from being homeless. Um, and if you can't pay your rent or you can't, uh, uh, you can't uh, uh, pay for your car, you, you, you can't get to a job, and then you lose your job, and, and then you're, you're, you're just lost. And, and so it, it, it is a cycle of despair. Uh, without that money, uh, you just cannot move forward. You, you uh, interviewed a man named Donald Whitehead, the director of the National Coalition for the Homeless. Yes, sir. And he stated here, quote, being poor means being an illness, an accident, or a paycheck away from living on the street. And that uh, many American veterans, even who are employed, uh, doesn't necessarily guarantee them a roof over their head. Correct. About one in five uh, homeless veterans are are in fact employed. Mm -hmm. And it says about 45 percent of the homeless veterans suffer from mental illness. Uh, can any of this be related directly back to um, their service? 
Well, certainly, uh, certainly some could. Um, you know, they find themselves in, in the mental condition that they are for for a number of reasons. But, but certainly, uh, uh, particularly uh, from Vietnam forward, uh, PSTD, <laughs> PSTD, and all that has has just created a lot of problems that 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 was not recognized early on, and uh, quite fortunately now some things are trying to be done to you know to resolve that problem. Mm-hmm. Well, P. PTSD. It's a, a term that we've passed around. <laughs> Rochelle, what do you know of PTSD? Well, let me just say that you've really touched on something that is very broad. When you look at the Vietnam veterans, and I can only speak for here in Chicago, uh, I can't speak for any other state. I worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs regional office for over 23 years, or just that 23 years. Mm. I was. Um, a veterans benefits counselor and I also worked with homeless individuals. I've worked with Sam too. I used to work at Benefits before also as a case manager. I've uh, been involved in this homeless um, this homeless plight for mm, a good 10-12 years and when we talk about Vietnam veterans we're looking at as uh, Mr. Carroll said the post-traumatic stress disorder a lot of our Vietnam veterans came back from the war not knowing exactly what they had been through. And it took a long time for them to understand that something was wrong. It took nationally the whole world a long time to understand that something was wrong. Veterans filed claims they were denied benefits. These veterans were unable to keep jobs. They were able to, unable to maintain their home lifestyles, and as a result of that, there were domestic problems where they had to leave the home because of temper, because of not, you know, being able to fit in at home any longer because they had a lot of things going wrong with them on the inside that was not being treated or not being dealt with. The Department of Veterans Affairs was in denial for a very long time. This put our veterans in a whirlwind on the streets where they were in and out of jobs, in and out of homes, and as a result of that, a lot of uh, turning to substance abuse and alcohol abuse uh, was the result. Therefore, they were then faced with dual diagnosis, that addiction and the mental problem as well. So those veterans, the good population of Vietnam veterans, went through a lot of that. Interesting, because uh, as I said earlier, and I met the Korean veteran today, who seemed to be not so much, you know, and that's why I looked him in the eyes and saw the clarity. Uh, you know, I, I expected as uh, some from homeless, whether they were veterans or, or just homeless people that I've met in my past that we see here in Chicago or when I go off to New York. Uh, um, Can I just say for a long time, after they were denied benefits, they didn't want to have anything else to do with the VA. Mm. Therefore, they turned away from any type of medical treatment that they could have gotten. And because of the long road to trying to prove that they had an illness that was caused by combat, it was a turnoff to them, and they didn't want to deal with the VA any longer. Understandable. And how does this relate to some of your life, Samuel? Rochelle uh, expounded on a particular subject that PTSD 
for a Vietnam veteran was encompassed with alcohol and probably substance abuse, which the term self-medication comes in, into play. Uh, being turned off by the VA, how we were treated in the VAs when we came home from the war made a lot of us go into the street and not go back to the VA. I, uh, in particular, 1972 discharged from uh, service, Southeast Asia came home, didn't recognize I had a problem, went to the VA for medical treatment, had problems with the system of how they treated us, did not go back to the VA until 1980. So what Rochelle just intimated is very true, how we, we just didn't want to be bothered. Then when we started filing claims, we were denied and denied and denied. PTSD is an illness that lies dormant for a while. You don't even know it's there. You don't even recognize signs and symptoms. But the main component is rage. And once you cross that, that border into rage, then you're not able uh, to deal with things in a normal, in a normal situation, things get just get out of control. So a lot of our veterans, a lot of our homeless veterans, who are still on the street, probably have some PTSD, accompanied with substance abuse, and it's untreated. If you treat the substance, then the PTSD has to be treated. Mm -hmm. You, if you treat the PTSD, then the substance you have to remain substance free. Understandable. We got one of our chat room people has already sent in that uh, they already are certain that they're Gulf War veterans out there themselves who have, have a Gulf War syndrome, uh, whether from a chemical uh, bind or also from um, a PTSD, a stress syndrome themselves. But um, we're going to be have to take a break for a few moments now. We, we've got a little complication. I think uh, the commander is going to be calling in in a minute. We're trying to track him down right now, uh, Gron Conley. But this is our 22nd program, and uh, we're glad that you're listening to us. Remember, military.com, saluting all who answered the call to our nation's services. Military.com, who can help you find out the benefits that are there for you. Also want to recognize the National Vietnam Veterans Art Museum in Chicago. And on February 9th, they're ordinary heroes of Medal of Honor recipients is going to have a special presentation as part of Chicago Winter Delights at the uh, museum itself. And then we're going to do a special radio program that night on Ordinary Heroes, so be here with us next week. Also, visit the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund at vvmf.org to see their limited edition of Night Vision. And once again, especially with uh, Ms. Crump being with us today, we always want to thank the City of Chicago's Veterans Council and uh, out in the audience again with us, our chairman, uh, Roy Douglas, here with us who helps us out. Next week, we've got Ordinary Heroes. Don't forget to be a part of it with us. And we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Veterans Hour on the Talk, 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 Talk Radio Network.
listening to the Veterans Radio Hour. We are here every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're heard on the internet as well as on the talk radio network uh, on numerous stations around the country. Tonight's program is uh, one with great emotional content and uh, extremely interesting. Uh, the subject being uh, homeless veterans, the cycle of despair. We're, we're hearing some uh, incredible information, some truly shocking statistics. For example, that uh, at any given time, 250,000 uh, veterans are on the street. And uh, the, the, uh, one of the most interesting aspects of that is that one in five are employed, and yet they are homeless. This is uh, truly shocking to, to hear. And uh, just stay with us on the show tonight for further information as to what is being done and what can be done and what should be done for these uh, people who have served their country and are now themselves in a position of, uh, of uh, need. Uh, our guests this evening are uh, Ronald Conley, a national commander of the 2.8 million member American Legion. We're having a little uh, technical uh, problem in uh, getting him online with us, but we hope to have that rectified uh, a little bit later in the show. Also, uh, James Carroll, uh, the associate editor uh, with American Legion magazine. Uh, uh, Mr. Carroll is a combat motion picture, was a combat motion picture cameraman in Vietnam. Also, Rochelle Crump, who is director uh, and community of community liaison for the City of Chicago Advisory Council on Veterans Affairs under the uh, Commission on Human Relations. And in the studio with us is um, uh, Mr. Samuel Miller, who is a uh, Vietnam vet, having served two tours of duty. Uh, he is with uh, Feather Fist, which is a social service agency for the homeless, and he's a veterans case manager. Uh, himself having uh, 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 struggled through many problems uh, related to his service and who is now devoting his life to helping other veterans uh, uh, toward a solution for their problems. We're very happy and honored to have him in the studio with us as well as to have our, our other guests. Uh, the Veterans Radio Hour is uh, on the air every week. You can call us toll-free at 866-928-2329 to participate. That's 866-928-2329. Let me repeat that, 866-928-2329. Yeah, of course, if you're listening on the Internet, you can uh, check in on our discussion board. Uh, we have a good amount of activity on the discussion board this evening, and any questions or comments that you may have, please email them in, and we'll see that uh, the, the host uh, gets to look at them on the screen here at the round table, and if it's something pertinent to the discussion going on at that moment, uh, he will bring that question up. Uh, this is our, this is our uh, 22nd program. Uh, all of our previous programs are archived on the website, so uh, you can check them out, uh, any program you may have missed. Stay with us, and uh, we'll be back on the air very shortly here at the Veterans Radio Hour. The Veterans Hour proudly presents our military hero story of valor. Valor. All these veterans that have done so much for us, the half a million now that are homeless, 
we've got to be doing something about it. When General Grange is normally here, he tells a great story of uh, somebody or some troop, some battalion that did something outrageously important with a lot of military valor. Today, I just found out, and so I'm going to highlight uh, who Samuel Miller brought to my attention, the four chaplains who all died February 3rd, 1943, when an enemy submarine fired a torpedo and hit the USS Dorchester. And those four chaplains are First Lieutenant George L. Fox, Methodist. First Lieutenant Alexander D. Good, Jewish. First Lieutenant Clark V. Poling, Reformed Church in America. And First Lieutenant John P. Washington, Roman Catholic. They all died on the USS Dorchester. The Veterans Radio Hour salutes the active service person of the week, made possible through the support of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. As they say, PBR me, ASAP. Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, available at your local retail outlet. Yes, here he is, Staff Sergeant Fred Luce. That's right, good Fred with the 729th Air Control Squadron. In recent years, this 729th Squadron has been involved in operations in the Middle East and South America. Most regularly, they've been deployed in support of Operation Southern Watch, helping to enforce the no-fly zone in Iraq. And Staff Sergeant Fred Luce on all of them is the weapons director with the squadron. He, and he explained recently how people describe the 729th. Quote, a lot of people know what an AWACS airborne warning and control system is but us the air control squadron we are essentially the air wax on the ground we work in coordination with all of them so sergeant fred loose you're the active service person today you're listening to the veterans hour with retired brigadier general dave grange and now back to the broadcast and this is Kenny DeCamp. Uh, uh, General Dave is on TDY right now, a special assignment. So uh, we're here, and, and we've uh, been able to bring Commander Ronald Conley on with us, which is so happy to be able to, to do. Uh, he was elected uh, the national commander of the 2.8 million American Legion members back in August of 2002. He's formerly from the U.S. Air Force. Uh, he served as an air policeman. I believe Samuel Miller, yeah, he did too, serve as an air police, uh, policeman in Vietnam. He's the founder and president of the American Legion for Homeless Veterans Corporation of Pennsylvania, which he founded in 1988, which makes me proud to be able to bring him on. Uh, are you there with us, Commander? Yes, sir. Great. I'm glad you were able to uh, join us. So uh, We've been talking for the last half hour about uh, the half a million or so veterans um, and what the, they have to relate to in relationship to PTSD, uh, the problems that they have uh, with finding everything from uh, housing uh, to the situations they have with mental illness, uh, the lack of affordable housing and, uh, and mental health care. Uh, what can you add to this? Uh, since 1988, you've been apparently working with these veterans. Uh, that's correct. Uh, first of all, the increase uh, since 1998 has gone up by 34% dealing with homeless veterans in our country. Hmm. Second of all, most people have to understand that homeless veterans are people that served in the United States military honorably. 
and about 40% of homeless people are veterans. And uh, right now the VA has shifted some of their um, ways of dealing with homeless veterans by taking the per diem and their grant program and merging them together. So a lot of the VA facilities within our country are now uh, lacking funds to be able to deal with some of the homeless veterans in their area. Lacking funds. I, I was under the impression from what I've heard that uh, George Bush signed a big bill uh, last year, 2001, uh, of a billion dollars to be able to help out homeless veterans over the next five years. Uh, am I wrong? Well, no, you're absolutely right. And what they're doing is the homeless uh, program is taken care of through three different agencies. Number one is the Health and Human Service Agency. Number two is with HUD. And number three is with the VA. Now, they have formed a coalition to try to attack the program uh, and to provide uh, transitional housing and for uh, regular housing for homeless veterans, also to try to get them uh, off the streets, re-educated, dealing with any type of abuse problems. But a lot of the VA facilities also were involved independently trying to take care of homeless veterans uh, by housing them in domiciliary type uh, barracks within the VA hospital. You might set aside X number of beds for dealing with homeless veterans. But now that they merged the per diem program and the grant program together, the VAs locally in those areas are uh, not receiving the funding that they used to in dealing with the problem. Well, it, it sounds to me from, uh, I mean, that's a lot you said, and what, what, but it all started out with three agencies again. So now I, I use that word bureaucracy seems to have popped back into it. Is that's that part correct. of it? Oh, that's absolutely part of it. You're dealing with three different secretaries. You're dealing with the secretary of um, you're dealing with the Secretary of HUD. You're dealing with the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And then all now, of their people with them. Right. And they're supposed to form this interactive uh, agency commission of representatives from each one of them. And then each one of them is supposed to take a certain amount of money out of each of their budgets and work on trying to deal with homeless veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rochelle Crump's on with us, Commander, and she is uh, appointed by Mayor Richard Daly as our director and liaison of Veterans Affairs here uh, in the city of Chicago. Rochelle, what's happening with this money in Chicago? Okay, as the commander stated, the three agencies, and it's uh, $35 million, 20 from HUD, 10 from Health and Human Services, and 5 from the VA. This money will go to... Um, the different states to try to resolve uh, homelessness. It's my understanding that just um, here, January the 21st, the uh, Chicago area continuum of care presented a homeless veterans, uh, not a homeless veterans, but a homeless plan. It's a nationwide plan to deal with homelessness, which means that a lot of that money that is going to the states will not just be earmarked for homeless veterans. <laughs> so that will make a big difference in how um, the money is spent. Mm -hmm. Because it's a nationwide effort to end homelessness. That is some of the problems that we have been faced with with our uh, constituents or our clients that 
go to different agencies, a lot of times they go to service providers, they won't tell them that they're veterans because they fear that if they say they're veterans, they won't get the services at that particular um, department. So you still have a good population of our veterans that are unaccounted for because they will not say that they're veterans. Well then, uh, Commander Conley, can you help us out? You have eight homes, I understand, that your corporation now runs. Is any of this money going to be uh, filtered down some way to help you even expand more? No, we don't, we don't collect a penny from the federal <laughs> government to run our eight homes. Um, what we do is we have transitional housing in Pennsylvania. And that tr transitional housing, we don't put any type of criteria as far as time stay for that veteran. Every veteran rehabs at a different rate. And we also, uh, what the VA does and, and some of the places they do, they try to set up a, a dom type um, setup for the veterans where they put more than one veteran into a bedroom. We give each veteran his own bedroom. Everybody needs a certain amount of uh, closure or free time or, or be able to spend with themselves, you might say. But then we have a common living room, common eating facilities, uh, common bathrooms that they all are responsible for. Mm -hmm. We have an 85% success rate because the veteran is going to school or he secures a job and he is able to uh, rehab at his own rate. The second thing we do is there's very few programs that take care of homeless men, veterans, who have dependent children. Now, the, the government has all kind of different agencies taking care of women with children where they're able to take care of them. Mm -hmm. But if a man has a child, they normally take the child off of that person and they give the child to children and youth services until that male is able to rehab himself and become a productive citizen again. Our program, we don't take the children off of the father. If the father has custody over that child, we try to provide them with the necessary housing that he's able to still be able to be responsible for his child at the same time that he's getting treatment to be able to be rehabbed. Well, the program, <laughs> program you're doing seems to be a lot stronger. Um, it's just, it's amazing that the federal government could be so discriminatory towards uh, those people. Uh, Jim Carroll, uh, the editor um, and author of the uh, article, Cycle of Despair, can you uh, help us out uh, in some of the interviews you've done across the country in relating to housing? Uh, what's the, I guess, the most important project or program you found? Well, there, there are hundreds of programs throughout the country. Um, if, if I could just digress a moment. Please. This is, this is a situation that government is not going to be able to take care of itself. There's just not enough money and not enough resources and, and, and quite frankly, not enough uh, commitment. Uh, it's going to take uh, organizations like the American Legion or other fraternal organizations and other nonprofit organizations as well as, as city and state governments and private organizations to, to, to get a handle around this problem. Uh, uh, for example, you know, VA only has 1,800 domiciliary beds in the entire country. Now, if, if you talk about 500,000 homeless veterans, they only have room for 1,800 domiciliary beds. Uh, they only have... Uh, only 4,900 veterans received treatments in some of the vet centers last year out of, out of 14,000. 
So, I mean, the, the money is just not there, and the people are not there to solve the problem from, from a government standpoint. So it's, it's just a much larger problem than that. Uh, I see here in your article that the VA operates more than 130 sites uh, right. where extensive outreach, physical and psychiatric health exams and treatments, referrals, etc. cetera. Uh, 130 sites for a half a million people, and from what Rochelle and Samuel tell me, that most people don't even want to, to go to any of these sites. There, there, there's a certain amount of distrust that, that has been uh, uh, earned and then sometimes maybe uh, uh, misunderstandings. But, but the point is that, that the problem is just much larger than what government itself can solve, and, and, and we're all going to have to pitch in to, to, to help those who, who want to be helped. There's some that we're not going to be able to touch no matter what, and I think all, everyone would agree. Yes, we just got a, another on our chat room. Uh, we we uh, are webbing, uh, streaming over to about 56 countries right now, and uh, the chat room says, uh, no veteran who has fought within a war uh, should be out there homeless. We should care for everyone who has sacrificed for our freedoms. And in today's uh, day and age, when so much of this has... Uh, getting uh, as scary it is that we're going into another conflict it's uh, it's amazing that we're not just focused more and doing more we'll be right back after these commercials the veterans hour continues to salute our nation's armed forces and their families when the veterans hour continues on the trn talk radio network You're listening to the Veterans Radio Hour. We're here every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're heard on the talk radio network uh, uh, in uh, some uh, 56, uh, uh, on the talk radio network on numerous stations around the country as well as on the internet where we're heard in uh, some 56 countries. Tonight's program is uh, really fascinating and uh, I must also say rather disturbing to hear some of these shocking statistics uh, with regard to the subject of homeless veterans. Uh, for example, that 40% uh, of uh, the uh, homeless are veterans, and the fact that at any given time there are 250,000 homeless vets. This is truly a disturbing thought uh, to think that people who have served their country should find themselves, uh, themselves in a situation where they have no homes. Uh, as one of our guests pointed out just now, uh, the problem is really larger than the government itself can handle, and that means that we'll all have to pitch in any way that we can. And I think as you listen to the show this evening, you'll be getting some information as to how we can do that. Our guests this evening are Ronald Connolly, the national commander of the 2.8 million member American Legion. Also, James Carroll, uh, associate editor with the American Legion magazine. Uh, he was a combat motion picture cameraman in Vietnam also. Uh, we have with us Rochelle Crump, director uh, and community liaison for the City of Chicago Advisory Council on Veterans Affairs uh, under the uh, Commission on Human Relations. And in the studio, we have uh, Samuel Miller, who is himself a Vietnam veteran with two tours of duty. He is a... Uh, a um, Case, uh, case manager working with veterans uh, with Feather Fist, which is Feather Fist, which is a social service agency for the homeless. Uh, our guests uh, this evening are uh, extremely knowledgeable on the subject, 
and we're delighted to have them all here, uh, either with us in the studio or via, tele via telephone hookup. Uh, stay with us. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact us uh, here if you're listening on the Internet, right in, in the chat room. Thank you for listening, and stay with us here at the Veterans Radio Hour. Stand by. Hour now returns to duty on the Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to the Veterans Radio Hour. This is Kennedy Camp sitting in for General Dave Grange today. Uh, we're talking about homeless veterans. We've got on with us the, the commander of the American Legion, um, Ronald Conley. I'm so glad he was able to join us along with Rochelle Crump, who's the director of uh, Veterans Affairs for the City of Chicago here um, under the Commission for Human Rights. Uh, Jim Carroll's with us also, the author of uh, a great article called uh, Cycle of Despair Homeless Veterans in the American Legion magazine. And uh, also sitting next to me is Samuel Miller. Samuel is a case manager working with veterans. And uh, I, I read something in the magazine, that I, I'll bring Jim on in a minute too, but uh, Samuel, uh, I read about a stand down. It was something new for me to, to learn about. Uh, could you help me understand what a, a stand down is? Well, stand down is a term that they used in Vietnam when you came back from the front uh, and you you were back for rest and recuperation for a day or so. We've taken that term in, in social services or within the community. Uh, here in Chicago, we've had stand down for 10 years. What we do in, a, in the summertime we assemble veterans for uh, two days. It used to be three days, but we since cut it back to two full days at uh, one of the armories within the city. Uh, at And what we try to do is have one-stop services. We have the VA. We have uh, uh, Department of uh, Employment Security. We have uh, Social Security. We have all all the people who who help with benefits, who help people with benefits, and at this site, what what we do then is basically serve the veterans as they come, first come, first serve basis. Normally in Chicago, summertime, we serve anywhere from 500 to 800 veterans. And within those two days, a veteran is able to to make appointments for for dental, eye, uh, medical services. He's also able to get clothes, rest and recuperation, and uh, make contacts for employment also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rochelle, are you involved with this as well? Rochelle Crump, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Are you involved with the stand downs that take place in Chicago? Yes, I am. They're held twice a year, uh, summer and winter. And it's a, a great opportunity for those homeless veterans to come together and, as Sam described, to utilize those services in one place, whereas they're not having to go all over the city to get information on their benefits. They can check their Social Security benefits, they can check their. VA status to see where their claims are, 
Um, as he stated, they're given food, medical services, haircuts. Um, it's, it's a great event for them. They look forward to it. They do come out, and it's, it's, it's good. The only drawback that I see with it is that the follow-up mm -hmm. care. Right. I, we've got a chat room that just came in just about that, stating uh, the, the, the stand-down was, uh, I, I guess, created by the National Coalition for Homeless Vets. And it doesn't really work because of what you talked about earlier of the veterans who don't trust and who don't come, who can't get there, who don't care. I mean, are there a lot of just regular vets like myself who would show up, or, or is it a lot of homeless people? It's, it's a mixture. It's a mixture. You have veterans who really, really don't need those services, but they come because they're veterans, and they may have some income um, disparity that would almost put them into a homeless situation if, you know, if it happens. Mm -hmm. But there's a good number of veterans who come out who are actually in need of those services. But again, it's, it's a bad system for tracking them after the two-day event to see, you know, what happened to them, to find out whether or not they followed up on the medical appointments that they made, mm -hmm. you know, different things like that. Yeah, that would, that would seem to be the, the biggest thing to do. We've got somebody on the line out of Washington. Uh, Steve, are you there with us? Yeah, I am. Uh, You've got a question, I understand? Well, no, just to uh, uh, go on with what they said earlier about, uh, you know, not being able to get veterans' benefits, uh, uh, I have a good friend who was on a show before, Gunny Brandon, out of McMinnville, Oregon. He lost a friend, Bob Lang. Uh, I guess he was a two or three toured, uh, toured a Vietnam Marine, and he died at uh, the age of 55 a couple of days ago of Agent Orange, and he tried to get benefits at the VA, and they kept telling him there's nothing wrong with him. Okay, let's, let's look into that for a minute. Um... Is part of the homeless veteran of the Gulf War having anything to do with uh, what people are calling the Agent Orange and the syndromes that came out of that? Would you have any idea of that, uh, Commander Connolly? Well, there, yeah, there's a certain amount of that. You're dealing with post-traumatic stress, whether uh, it was from Vietnam or whether it was from um, uh, the Persian Gulf. You also have, believe it or not, and a lot of people don't understand this, you got World War II and Korean veterans that are homeless also in this country. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and, and going back to the stand down, if I can, that's a, it's a good thing for the two days, but I'd like to uh, reemphasize that once that stand down is over, uh, the veteran goes back out into the streets. And the problem we need to face and I don't remember who the gentleman was saying was the government can't take the responsibility. The government didn't go to homeless shelters or go to the streets to recruit homeless people to serve in the military. These were people that served in the military honorably, got discharged honorably. And for whatever role of the dice, they end up being homeless. And uh, not only does the nation, but I think the veterans organizations as a whole as an obligation to try to sit there and deal with this problem. It isn't getting better, it's getting worse. Okay. It's had a 34% increase since 1998. It is getting worse. We're going to have to take a break from the radio stations. We're going to stream for a little bit longer. Uh, we're going to go out with one of our numbers as we normally do, dedicated to our World War II vets. We'll be right back after this message.
You've been listening to the Veterans Radio Hour. This is Carl King. Please join us next week. That's Mark Dumin singing for our World War II vets. Uh, we heard that we're losing between 12 and 1,500 of them a day. And there's a lot of honor happening for the World War II vets, as we know. I'm sure they've had their share of homelessness and, and disappointments as they've uh, gone on, too. Uh, we're back here now with uh, Ronald Conley, uh, the uh, commander of the American Legion, Rochelle Crump, the director of Veterans Affairs here in Chicago, Jim Carroll, the assistant editor and author of a of a story in the American Legion magazine on homeless veterans and our own uh, good friend case manager with the homeless vets, uh, Samuel Miller. Samuel, you were telling us that um, some of the uh, follow-up is starting to take place, with, like with certain agencies of yours, including you handed me a sheet of paper here that shows, oh, I would say 20 to 30 uh, shelter transitional housing spaces. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about what your follow-up after a stand-down is? Well. After stand down, uh, our agency, Featherfist, has been able to take some of those individuals and house them transitionally. We're in, in the city of Chicago, there's a lack of permanent housing space for veterans. I think we probably have only about 70 beds online transitionally, and that period goes anywhere from from say uh, 120 days to two years, depending on on the two two or three programs. But yeah, through through trials and tribulations, we are able to take some referrals from Stand Down, effectively get them their benefits, get them their services, and put them into transitional housing. If we keep them uh, clean, we're able to place them into some type of permanent housing. But if you understand where we are coming from, that's like putting a Band-Aid on profuse bleeding. I would imagine so with a half a million of them. We're going to uh, begin winding down here on the, on the web and try to get a little bit more advice and information from each one of our guests. And I'd like to start with Commander Conley, if he could. If there's one brief note or, or an idea that we should know about in relationship to the homeless uh, veteran or what we can do. Well, I think the uh, biggest part dealing with the homeless veteran is the transitional housing and not giving them a 30-day or 120-day program. Uh, they need to be able to aggress at their own pace as far as rehabilitation, and uh, we have to be able to help them secure a job or go to school. And if you have those factors involved in dealing with homeless veterans, you're going to have a pretty good success rate. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Carroll, uh, from being a, a Vietnam veteran yourself who was shooting motion pictures to now interviewing and, and finding out as much as, as you have for many different articles uh, besides the homeless veteran one, but f from this one, what do you think you've pulled out of it for, uh, the most for yourself? Well, uh, Ken, I, 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 uh, I have found that uh, uh, these folks are not faceless people. They all are individual human beings who have stories to tell. They have families, they have loved ones, they had jobs at one time. They all are veterans. They all uh, served the military. Many of them fought uh, in combat and, and, and received wounds that, that, that they still suffer today. Uh, you, you, when you talk about 
500,000 being on the streets uh, over a given year or 250,000 at any one time during the year, you can get overwhelmed. But you just have to remember that you have to measure success by one veteran at a time. And if you can reach one veteran, then go to the next, go to the next. That's just what has to be done, I think. So there should be a, a coalition of us veterans uh, also working towards this a little bit more, that buddy plan, buddy system I talked about earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ne leave no one outside the gates. And uh, Rochelle, uh, how are your gates opening and closing here in Chicago? Well, let me just say, Kenny, because this is the last comment, right? Uh, we can go a little longer, but you can keep talking. I just want to commend uh, Mr. Carroll for his article. Uh, and also, I think we should commend the nation's efforts on finally seeing where we went wrong um, to prolong, you know, the agonies and the things that have gone wrong with our men and women who have served this nation. And let's just hope for the best on that. I think some of what we really need to look at are these long-term treatment programs. As the commander stated, the transitional housing it needs to be longer, and people do need to progress at their, at their own pace. But we also need to look at long-term treatment programs for alcohol and substance abuse. These 21-day detox programs followed by outpatient treatment plans just don't work. Mm -hmm. It took these individuals 21, day, 21 years to get in this state. So it will take almost that long to pull them out of that state. So we need more accountability, and we need to see programs that have more substance to them. Mm -hmm. When you were on our program last time, Rochelle, we were talking about um, the closing down of the Lakeside VA Hospital here, um, which seemed tragic to a lot of people. Is there anything new working on that? I, I think you even uh, suggested that we turn that into a, a space for uh, veterans, the, the homeless, the, the, those needing rehabilitation, etc. What's, uh, what's newest on the front with that? Basically, they're here in Chicago. They're still looking forward to closing the VA Lakeside Hospital. There are some efforts by the Catholic Charities to uh, utilize some space out at the VA Hines for homeless uh, individuals. It won't just be veterans. So there is some effort being made here um, to deal with that. But it will take more than that, as Mr. Carroll said. It will take more people to be committed to making this work. We need everyone on the forefront. We need more uh, space availability in these transitional shelters for veterans because the, we're, we're competing with the outside homeless people. And not to say that they're not any different than our humans, you know, veteran humans, but we need space also. Yes. Uh, we tried to have uh, somebody from the... Um Congressional uh, Committee on Veterans Affairs, and unfortunately, uh, we thought we did. We thought we had um, Congressman Smith, uh, who, who chairs that committee, uh, going to be on with us, or, or have at least one of his other representatives. And unfortunately, no one uh, was able to, I guess, come on tonight. Uh, uh, is there some something we any of us should do uh, towards our uh, our congressman, or, or, or is it just uh, so become so bureaucratic with one agency joining another and another and another? <laughs> that we're, we're sort of all in a loss. What do you think of that, Commander Conley? Well, I think we need to uh, maintain pressure on Congress. That's where the funding comes from, uh, no matter what agency it is. And uh, they have an oversight 
to make sure that that money is appropriated in the right way and spent in the right way. So uh, the Congress is the place to go. And they actually need to be familiar with what the process is here and how the veterans are uh, being treated. And uh, Jim mentioned about uh, treating one veteran at a time. But, and, I, and I totally concur with that, but we need to get more impact on a long-term process, especially given housing and jobs and education to some of these veterans and dealing with their abuses. Rochelle mentioned that they accumulated this problem over 21 years, and it's not going to be treated in 21 days, and she's absolutely right. Yes. And well. Kenny Gissel, you'll know there is a campaign um, by Representatives Julia Carson and John Conyers uh, the Bringing America Home campaign. And this, there's a bill on the table now, I guess, being introduced by those two to address and to look at the um, systematic causes of homelessness. So there is some address to that now on the table. Mm -hmm. Samuel, you wanted to add something? Yes, I'd like to commend uh, Commander Conley and Jim on the work that they've done. Uh, in bringing this information to us tonight and to the American Legion. I am a Legionnaire also. And uh, as a pleasure, it, it is a pleasure to work with Rochelle. Uh, what, what needs to be done now, all our veteran agencies, all our veteran organizations need to find one or two points to galvanize on, create a platform and, and present this. I mean, we need to demand what services we need. If we want to address homelessness and the closing of our veterans' hospitals, this is a good rallying point for all of us now to do so. Mm-hmm. We just got a, a, a chat uh, message that came in from Ivan Duguid. He sounds like a great guy with that name. Uh, he says, if we keep the all-volunteer force, then we should train every volunteer to either get a college degree or at least a secondary MOS. And that would offer a civilian, civilian vocation that he or she can love so that after the service they are not hit by these blues and become homeless. He says, my point is we should look at a soldier as a complete citizen and have a plan B ready for when they leave the service. Use the reserve commitment of several years as an anchor after they leave active duty or at least have some income. What do you think of that one, Commander? Well, let me tell you, um, that's totally false because some of the people we've had in our homeless program, one was a dentist, one was a school teacher, one was a carpenter, uh, one was a uh, pipe fitter. Uh, these are people that have educations that are well-trained. And what happened is, is they get hooked on alcohol or they get hooked on drugs or a combination of both. And that has destroyed a lot of families and a, and a lot of careers. And uh, once we're able to get them back on track and get them rehabilitated and, and get them to be a productive citizen again, they are able to go back, be uh, performing their, their, their original uh, way of life becoming a dentist again or becoming a school teacher or doctor. So uh, have, having a second career or, or having an MOS that uh, uh, they can fall back on isn't it. 
Mm-hmm. The problem is the disease that they are associated with, and that's alcohol or drugs. Yeah. So it all, it all, I guess, boils back down to whether or not the the stress or the the disorder that they ended up with. Uh, Samuel mentioned earlier, it it can take time to uh, almost incubate. Right. Well, if you take a person that's been in combat or turns around and it, it, it has a tra- real traumatic experience in the military, and he turns around and tries to bury that that pain that he has in his head and his heart. He tries to bury it with drugs or alcohol. Uh, eventually, it's going to grab a hold of him, and then it destroys his family, and then it destroys his job, and then he becomes a homeless person. Mm-hmm. For the people we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess then uh, my biggest hope is, and uh, I have a, a relationship that I think I'll send a letter to Dennis Hassard, the Speaker of the House, about my opinion that we definitely need some good accountability. Uh, this financial uh, awareness of all the money that uh, has been allocated and, and that it starts getting down to the right people uh, for the right directions. Right. Uh, do you think some of this is also related to the face-based initiatives that are being planned? Well, I think, I think that a lot of times when the, the government tries to do good and they're getting three agencies involved here and they're trying to shift around and they put this thing out, uh, that's a good 60-second, uh, 6 o'clock <laughs> news release, you know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. they got to get down to the reality, and they got to put the money and and take care of the problem and quit worrying about the, the news release and the 60-second spots on the 6 o'clock news. You got it. And I think, I think the face-based initiatives are not where we need to go with that. Uh, the new... The new uh, the new plan is housing first, where which the Chicago Continuum of Care just got uh, involved in. They're gonna take people within a hundred days, a hundred and 120 days, and put them in housing and have wraparound services for for that individual or for that family. When I say wraparound services, they're gonna house them and then have case management. Uh, follow up and, and continue to work with that individual while they're housed. And this may not be uh, in, in a structure as we know it. It just may be private housing. But the veterans' issues, the veterans are fighting funding with, with as, as they alluded to earlier, the three agencies plus HUD and, and Nassau, the veterans' budget, all of that was coming out of one pot, the Appropriations Committee. To me, when Congress had, when, when Congress was giving or allocating the money to the VA, the VA was a lot better off. Since they're streamlining and becoming more business oriented, then they're not, they're not very veteran friendly right now. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to get back to the point that at one point the veterans had the largest voting block within this country. For some reason, we've been separated. We need to come back together. Yeah, I'm going to bring it down now, and I want to thank you all for being here. And you, you talk about uh, the veterans being uh, dislocated right now somewhat. Uh, I want to remind everybody on February 12th, um, we are going to uh, travel to Washington to support the Medal of Honor recipient and Vietnamese prisoner of war, retired Air Force General uh, George Bud Day. 
as he presents to the United States Supreme Court a lawsuit against the federal government on behalf of more than 22,000 former World War II and Korean War career military veterans who have had quite a few of their health care benefits taken away from them. Uh, has any story ever come out about that, uh, Jim? Have you looked into that as well? Uh, yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're always trying to keep our eyes open for any of those types of stories, and it's, it's, it's a tragedy that, that, that uh, uh, veterans who have served their country well are treated in, in such manners. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, those of you there out on the web, those that were listening to us on the radio earlier. Um, we have uh, one more thought here. Uh, we might need a national effort on the general homelessness issue, or it will be left up to the VA and certain private voluntary organizations and charities. Uh, um, I think he's looking to try to do a national effort by everybody. Uh, the creation of, whether it's American Legion and uh, the uh, Veterans Affairs of all the different cities, these veterans councils that are being built up, the Viet Vietnam Veterans of America, local organizations. I mean, somehow we've all got to find how we could all plug together. Uh, Commander Conley, thank you so much for being with us, and the best of luck to you uh, over the, the rest of your uh, term. Uh, you know, it's my pleasure. And uh, Rochelle Crump, I know you're going to be around with us uh, much longer. Thank you for everything. Um, and also Jim Carroll, uh, if it wasn't for you writing this story, I, I don't think we'd been able to have this show. I, I want you to wish you the best and, and continued luck with everything that you do. And Samuel Miller, thanks for being here with us. You're another good guy. Uh, Colonel Tom's over here with us on the keyboards, uh, keeping the chat room going. We want to thank Mark Eli for being our uh, webmaster and uh, Carl King playing on the uh, all the knobs in there laughing away. Once again, thank everybody for being here. And uh, next week, we'll see you with Ordinary Heroes on the VeteransRadioHour.com.